Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballon in one of the Sunday morning services. And this morning, let this be the cry of our heart, asking our Lord, Lord, heal our land. Lord, heal our land. I would like to turn your attention to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If we can read a couple of scriptures from there. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 is all about Solomon building the temple of God and dedicating the temple of God. And as when Solomon dedicated the temple of God, we realize and we know the glory of God descended upon the temple of God and even the priest could not enter into the temple of God. And it was a mega festival on the day when Solomon built the temple and he gave that temple to the Lord. And that dedication continued with the seven days of feast. And scripture talks so much about it. And they brought all the offerings as a sacrifice in the presence of the living God. And offerings were offered to Lord God Almighty because the glory of God descended upon the temple of God in such a heavy way. And when everything was over, when all the festival got over, scripture says, Lord God appeared once again to Solomon. And that's what he said. We read that from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And God appeared to Solomon and said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, as we read, we, I would like to read a couple of verses even before that, uh, in chapter 7, probably from verse 12, when God started speaking to Solomon for the second time, Scripture says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, the prayer that he made from the temple of God, and I have chosen this place referring to the temple of God for myself as a house of sacrifice. Verse 13, he says, When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. You know, that was the context when we read verse 14. The context was God Almighty was telling Solomon, When I shut up the heaven, when there is no rain on this earth, when I command the locusts to come and devour the land, when I send pestilence among my people, that means when my wrath is poured upon the land, verse 14 says, if my people who are called by my name, when God's wrath is poured upon this land, if my people, God's own people, if they get together, if they call upon his name and humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, I believe the land at the time of Solomon was so corrupted as it is corrupted today. And as the Lord God was sharing his mind with Solomon, telling him, when I pour my wrath upon this land, it is the responsibility of the church to stand in the gap and pray. And when you pray, I will hear and I will remove my wrath from the land. The land certainly needs healing. And today we are talking about, Lord, heal our land. 
The land that we are living in today, it needs tremendous amount of healing today. You know, when people turn away from God, as we said, as God said, God's wrath comes upon the land. And I believe, even though we are living in the grace, the time of grace, we don't see outwardly the wrath of God being poured. We will see eventually one day when the church is taken off this world. But now what we see is a symptom, foreshadow of the wrath of God is what we see upon this land. You know, at times when God's wrath comes upon the land, maybe in the form of natural disaster and maybe in the form of certain atrocities that are happening among, uh, for the humanity, you know, when such thing happens on this earth, there is no doubt that God's protection is slightly removed. God's covering is slightly moved. You know, then only the enemy takes upper hand. And we see that in the form of the wrath of God being poured on this earth. Enemy makes that opportunity to destroy God's children. And we are living in a time where the responsibility of the church is to stand in the gap and to pray for the land so that God's wrath may be withheld for the time which is yet to come. If you look at the land, maybe our country and all the nations together, it is not the same land that we saw 20 years about, 20 years before and 50 years before. 20 years before, 50 years before, people travel without any, without any you know, reservation, without any hesitation, without any fear. And today it is not so. 20 years before or 50 years before, the places which are considered as so secure and so safe, they are not safe anymore. You know, we all know that it is the, the land we see today, it's not the same land that we would have seen, we, we saw maybe a couple of years before. 21st century is certainly, it's a different century from the rest of the centuries. You know, all, as we remember, 20, 21st century, 21st century not started with a good note. It started with a major disaster and that continues into the land, into the land as we see today. You know, there are so many changes going on in this land, probably climatic changes. The weather condition is not the same. Political changes, some of the changes that are taking place in the politics, probably we never expected them to happen. But then, you know, that's what we see today. The changes that are taking place, maybe or may not be in favor of us. Maybe they may not or may stand for the, for, 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 the, for the Christian values. And we see tremendous amount of changes that is taking place around us. The economic downfall that we see in, in, in the industries and in, in the world today, which was never experienced. But 21st century, when it started, it started with, a, you know, with not a very good note. And as we experience, we continue to experience even today. The land is certainly is in need of healing. The land need to be healed, otherwise the land is not going to be good for the survival of humanity. I want to turn your attention to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. There is a very important scripture that's a very good principle that you and I need to know. Scripture says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. God is merciful, God is gracious, but God is also allowing us to go through certain things that comes in our lives because what we have sown those things. We have sown those things in our lives. Maybe our forefathers did that earlier. And what we go through today, it's, it, it, it must be the effect of what was sown already on this land through our lives, through the lives of our forefathers. 
Think about the kind of bloodshed that is happening. Think about the kind of bloodshed in the form of sacrifices to idols. Think about the bloodshed of shedding innocent bloods, the crime and violence that we see today across the globe. Scripture says, what man sows, he will also reap. There is so much of sin already sown into the ground, into the land, and what the land can produce, nothing other than sin today. There is so much of atrocity, so much of, uh, so much of violence and crime is already sown in the land in the form of bloodshed. And what the land can produce, it can produce thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles, you know, when, when, when man sinned against God, God produced, uh, pronounced the curse on the land, saying that this land is going to produce thorns and thistles. And that's what it is continuing to produce because the sin, the violence and the crime that is what, what, what we see today in this world is increasing and it is continuing to be sown on the ground and ground is producing nothing other than sinful attitudes and bloodsheds and crimes and violence is what, is, what, what the land could produce. This land that we are living in, it needs total healing from God Almighty. And I believe God can do it when the church takes the responsibility. And that's what we are going to talk about today. Let's continue to read that scripture that we read from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. First of all, God is calling us, saying, my people. God is saying, my people. And as I was just spending some time to think about what God really meant by saying that, my people, you know, it, it tells me that God has a ownership on over us. It tells me that God is possessing us. It tells me the intimate knowledge that God Almighty has about each and every one of us. When God says, when my people, sorry, if my people, if my people, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7. Scripture says in Isaiah 43 7, everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. God is telling us, everyone who is called by my name is the one who is created for my glory and I have formed him. I have made him. Whom God is talking about? God is talking about each and every one of us. God is telling about you and me. And God is telling us this morning that I have created you. I have made you. I have crowned you with gloriousness. And I have formed you. I know about you. You belong to me. You are my people. You are my people. You know, God Almighty is looking at everyone who is washed by the precious blood of the Lamb and telling them, you are my people. Of course, it talks so much about the, his own community, the Jews. He, they are his own people and through Christ Jesus and you are you and I are no different from a Jew because we are we are found in his presence we are his very children his own children God Almighty is telling looking at and telling us my people if my people it also tells me that God possesses we are God's possession John chapter 10 verse 29 says John 10 29 my father Jesus was telling to the disciples, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Jesus was looking at the disciples and telling them, you know, my father has given all of you to me. 
and once you are given to me nobody can snatch you away because you are given by my father and you are my father's children you know that is authority and that is assurance that god has given to each and every one of us that we are children of god you know there is no other blessing that other than knowing that we are children of god almighty you know every time when we walk out when we when we walk around when we are in our workplaces when maybe whenever in our schools and universities you know one thing that you and i need to remember is we are children of god because god possesses god keeps us in his hands we are in his hands we are our life is engraved in his palm that's what scripture says that's the reason god is so jealous of you and me at times you know when god allows certain things in our lives it simply means god loves us god loves us every parent who loves their children they punish them when they do something wrong you know at times we go through some difficulties in our lives it may come as a punishment that god is making in our lives god is doing in our lives in order to you know fine tune our lives in order to produce in order to make us as a good children of god god possesses god wants us God says, Scripture says, He has created in this in His likeness. We are created in the likeness of Lord God. And Scripture also says, you have the sonship and daughtership. Means we have an authority saying that I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God Almighty. Scripture also put it this way, we are partakers of His glory. The reason why God is so jealous of us, the reason why God is so possessive of us, it's just simply because we are going to share the glory of God. Scripture says we are co-heirs and of the eternal glory. Can you imagine the amount of glory that Jesus has, the amount of glory God Almighty has, as God was showing, displaying His glory, even Moses couldn't see God. It's such awesome glory. And God says, and you and me will experience the same amount of glory in the eternal heaven. You know, God is willing to share the entire glory of God Almighty with us on one day when we, are, when we see him face to face. That's the simple reason God is telling us this morning. If my people, again back to the scripture says, if my people who are called by my name, who are called by my name, name you know this morning we need to understand something god has called us by his name by his name god is calling us by my name the name that belongs to god almighty he is calling us by the same name that's what scripture tells us and scripture says if my people who are called by my name when God says my people God I believe God has a special place for each and every one of us in his heart God has a special place for each and every one of us in his heart you know it at times it is good to know that we are found in the heart of God you know, we don't keep everybody in the heart. Do you keep everybody in the heart? No, we don't keep. We keep only our beloveds, right? We don't allow everybody to just occupy our heart unnecessarily. We don't want to think about everybody in the world. And of course, we think about and pray for them at times, but then we don't want to keep everybody in the heart. And if I ask Brother Chella, for example, this morning, who is in your heart, Brother Chella? I'm sure he will not hesitate to say that Jayalada, Sister Jim, his wife is in his heart, right? Sure? Okay. Okay. Just make sure that, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, we need to pray for him. 
and I believe each and every one of you, you have somebody who is very dear and very near in your life. The same way God has you and me in his heart. And I wonder you know, how much time he has to think about something else. I believe God, has, God doesn't have much time to think about someone else because he has to think about you always. And same thing he does for everyone. You know, what a blessing it is to know that we are God's people. We are called by his name. We are his own people. Scripture says in 1 Peter, I like this scripture very much. 1 Peter 2.9, scripture says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. KJV says, you are a peculiar people. People in this world, they don't understand because we are a peculiar people. We say, we keep walking around saying that we belong to God and I'm, in, I'm, I'm found in the, in the heart of God. And people do not understand us. We are peculiar people, his own special people. That's what scripture says. You know, today you and I are God's special choice. That you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It simply tells me this morning, he trusts us so much. When God says, you are my people, you are called by my name, God tells us, I trust you. I trust you. God doesn't doubt us. We doubt about ourselves. We doubt about people. But God never doubts. God doesn't doubt at all. You know, if God doubts us, you know, we cannot receive all the blessings that we are receiving from God. If God doubts us, and obviously he cannot keep us in his heart. God doesn't doubt us. He trusts us 100%. He trusts us and knowing that if I give this to my son's hand, my daughter's hand, he or she will do it. He trusts us 100%. God says this morning, if my people who are called by name, my name, but again we see the condition, if, only if my people, when my people call me, only when my people call me. And scripture says, it goes on, it's saying, when they humble themselves. Humble themselves. The first condition that God is putting here, when my wrath is poured upon this land, I am willing to cure the land, but the condition is, if my people, who are called my, by my name, that you and me, humble themselves. God expects us to humble ourselves you know humility is something that, that that's very difficult for me for us to get and God expects at times us to humble our lives you know many things I have seen in my life don't happen unless I humble myself to that point where God expect us to me to humble before that it doesn't happen it may take some year Sometimes it may, it may take uh, maybe two years, three years, four years, five years. But God doesn't do that unless I do it, I humble myself to that limit that God expects. And I'm sure it is true in our lives too. God expects the church to humble today. You know, there is nothing that we can boast about the church. There is nothing about that we can boast about ourselves. God simply expects us to humble. What does it mean, humbling ourselves? Humility is just simply showing obedience to God. If God is expecting us to do, Lord, here I am. Lord, here I am. I will just do it, Lord. I will just do it. You know, when God expects us, God is expecting us to do it with so much of trust in us. Because God knows that we are his own people. 
And when God is asking us to do something, God expects us to obey. Lord, here I am. I'm obeying to you, Lord. In our willingness at times, put us aside and it brings the priority of other people in our lives. You know, at times when we are humbling ourselves, that simply means we take ourselves out of the picture and we bring someone else in the middle. For example, if someone is asking us to pray for him, we just tell him or tell her that I will pray for you. But when we take that burden to home, when we start praying, at times, you know, we may not have enough time to pray for our own needs, but instead God tells us to pray for that somebody. When God puts a burden in your heart, God brings that person over and over again in your, in your mind and God will ask you to pray for that somebody. You may not have time to pray for yourself. Humbling means allowing ourselves to be out of that scene and bringing something, that burden that God is putting in our hearts in the context. If God is asking us to pray for this land, it is good to bring the, bring the burden of this land and pray for the land. That's what God expects in our lives. Humbling ourselves, that also means following Jesus Christ. Looking at Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is the ultimate model, an example for each one of us. Jesus was not ashamed to humble himself and he himself called himself as a servant. He came in obedience to God Almighty to this earth. And he came just to serve, just to serve. And God expects us to serve. God expects us to continue to serve. God expects us to, you know, sow without any condition. God expects us to humble. At times, you know, humbling means not defending ourselves. Not defending, you know, most of the time, the nature that we have in our lives, we want to protect ourselves first of all. And then we want to deal with that situation. You know, I have seen that in me and I have seen that in others. None of us are in an exempt for that. We all go through it in our lives. That's a reality. Any moment then we are accused, you know, the first, first reaction is to protect ourselves. Saying that, you know, no, 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 I didn't do that. And then we realize. Do you have any witness here? Yes? Oh, yes? Yes? Oh, looks like you are children of God, real children of God. <laughs> I do that. You know, first, you know, first instinct is just to protect ourselves and make sure that we are okay, right? And then to think about others. Humbling ourselves simply means not defending ourselves. It's hard, but God can help us. Humbling ourselves also means true humility. With confession, we let our pride go. We let our pride go. You know, God expects us to humble. There is no other option that we need to do it. God wants us to humble us. God wants us to put our pride aside. God wants us to practice and, you know, willingness to practice the discipleship and prayer and fasting. We need to bring those disciplines in our lives and God expects that us to do it because he wants us to humble. You know, when we fast and pray, that's a, that, that tells us that we are humbling ourselves. We are allowing our flesh to go down and the spirit to come up. And when we do that, it represents that we are humbling in the presence of God. You know, that's the reason children of God, they put on sackcloth and they pray, they humble ourselves. They may be, you know, spending time and sitting in ashes. They all represent the humility and the humbleness they have. And God expects us to humble. If my people who are called by name humble themselves and God says, pray and seek my face. Pray 
and seek my face. God wants the church to pray for the land. You know, if we do not do it, God cannot heal the land. And God is asking us to humble ourselves and pray and seek my face. You know, God just wants us to simply pray about it. You know, most of the time we found ourselves talking so much about it, but God wants us to pray. You know, when we get together, we talk so much about the land. You know, on the day we and uh, me and Debbie was there, you know, we both were sharing a couple of things. You know, most of the time we see, we talk, we want to talk, we want to talk more about this land. What is going on in politics? What is happening in this part of the globe? Or what is happening in the other part of the globe? You know, that's, that's, that, that's the reason that we have the news channels. We bring the news, you know, we receive the news and then we become news channels, right? And we go around and we deliver the news. Right? So, but you know, more than talking about it, God wants us to pray. Just think that for a moment. Talking will not result in anything good. The more we analyze, the more we try to understand, it may increase our head knowledge, but it is not going to result anything good. When two of us get together, we talk about the land and just hold hands together and pray for the land. How could that be? How could that be? You know, that's what God expects in our, in our lives. Nothing can just easily replace prayer. Nothing can replace prayer unless we bring us down, unless we cry out to God and ask for God's mercy. Nothing is going to happen. God wants us to seek his face. And we seek, you know, most of the time we seek, how can we bring the solution to this problem? That's what the politicians, they try to do. How can we address this issue? But God says, God says, not looking at them, but looking at the church. You need to seek my face. If for the politician, politicians to address the issue in the right way, church has to pray. Church has to pray. And God expects us to pray that we need to seek God. We need to seek his face. You know, I was wondering why God is asking us to seek his face. As we sang this morning. When we turn our eyes upon Jesus, all the things of this world will fade away. There is a secret of seeking God's face. There is a secret of looking into God's face. God wants us to do that every time when we pray. Seek for God's face and God will appear and God will help us to be united with the spirit in prayer. God wants us to pray and seek his face. You know, if the church start doing this, the revival is going to come upon the land. The scripture that we read from Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, most of the time the scripture is used for revival. The revival comes upon the land when we humble ourselves, when we seek his face, and when we start praying. You know, that's what is the expression of God over the church. Psalm 27, verse 8 says, Psalm 27, verse 8, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Your face, Lord, I will seek. And God says, you humble yourself and you turn, you, you, you seek my face in prayer. And God continues saying that turn from their wicked ways. To whom God is talking to? To the church. To the church. God is talking to his own people. My people who are called by my name and God is telling them to turn from their wicked ways. I have a problem here. Do you think there is wickedness in God's, among God's people? Do you think that there is wickedness in the church? Do you think that there are wicked ways found among the children of God? God says yes. 
and that's the reason God is asking us to turn from our wicked ways Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 scripture says Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 behold the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you know this morning I believe that God is telling you and me that we need to turn from our wickedness and what is our wickedness God knows and we know and God is asking the church this morning his own people to repent if the church repents the healing is for the land if the church repents and we see healing coming to the land and now the question is what is the reason the land is going through so much today in this world who is the reason who's the reason God then who we the church the church is the reason for so much that is going on in this world God expects the church to stand in the gap God expects the church to pray God expects the church to humble themselves God expects the church to pray and seek a space and to turn away from the wicked ways some of the wickedness that we see among God's people I have listed down a couple of them and some of them are relevant to me and I'm sure some of them are relevant to you too the secret sins that we carry in our lives jealousy anger gossip disobedience unforgiveness hatred ego we can just go on and on we don't see murder happening in the church we don't see uh, you know uh, we don't see adultery happening in the church but we see what Jesus meant as a spiritual adultery or a spiritual uh, murder happening inside the church and this morning God is telling you and me that it is time that we need to repent from all this that we still carry in our lives and God cannot do anything until we come out of these things James chapter 4 verses 8 and 10 8 through 10 scripture says James chapter 4 verses 8 through 10 draw near to God and he will draw near to you draw near to God and then he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double-minded lament and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up and this morning God is asking us if the church is willing to turn from their wicked ways only if the church is willing to turn from their wicked ways God is going to heal the land and if we do all these things God is telling us that I will hear forgive and heal the land I will hear and forgive and heal the land you know it's a desire of God our God's desire is to heal the land and church has a great responsibility that helps God to achieve his vision for this land God waits for his people to turn to him God waits for his own people to turn to God you know if his own people are walking away from God God cannot do anything in this world because this world is given into the hands of God the same way the world is given into the hands of enemy the world is also given into the hands of the people of God to rescue this world from the enemy and the only means through which the world can be rescued today is through prayer is by prayer you know when healing comes to this land this land 
not produce the thorns and thistles. The land will not produce sin. The sin will be driven out. All the drugs and alcoholism and homosexuality and prostitution and all the corruption that is going on in this world, everything will go away only when the church is turning to God. Only when the church turns to God and it comes out of its wicked ways and God will heal the land. You know, today when we pray for a community, we pray that God, you would save that community. We want people coming from that community to the church. God is expecting us to church to turn back to God so that God can do something out there in the community. God can, you know, cannot do directly something over there. God can do something in our lives because we are sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And God expects us to turn towards Him. And when we turn towards Him, you know, we see healing coming to that community. We see healing coming to that land. You know, I, what a great responsibility that God has given to you and me. God expects us to have that as a number one priority of those who are called by His name. And today there is no doubt that you and I are called by the name of God and God expects us to, God expects us to humble ourselves. God expects us to pray and seek His face. God expects us to turn away from all our wicked ways. And when we do that, God will bring healing to this land. As we close this morning, I just want all of us to read that scripture once again together as the scripture itself may speak to us as we leave from this place. Shall we just read that scripture together? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's close our eyes. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.